Okay, so welcome to the Truth to Power show in Ready Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, VGR Nathan, and we have a special episode today. Um, with us is Damont Combs, a.k.a. Mr. Orange Live. Damont Combs is a poet from Southside, Jamaica, Queens, New York, and a graduate with a degree in computer technology services from Johnson & Wales University. Mr. Combs, also is known as Mr. Orange Live, has at least two books of poetry, My Poem, My Riddle, um, by Prismatic Dreams Publishing, and uh, uh, Damon Combs presents A Touch of Orange. Um, this one is published by Kingdom Enterprise, LLC, 2016. Mr. Orange has noted the brightly colored colors at numerous venues, uh, such as PVD Fest, Poetry in Public Places, featured at Cafe Soul, and the Poetry Festival in New York City, and the famous New Yorkian Post Cafe for verses in the stadiums like Nassau Coliseum with Queens Underground Poets. Uh, he is active in many writing organizations and communities, uh, such as What Cheer Writers Club, the Association of Rhode Island Authors, and the host of Lively Literati, a monthly open mic. Uh, welcome, welcome, uh, Mr. Orange. Demo. Thank you, thank you. It's so great to be here on uh, Truth to Power. Thank you. So I want to start the conversation off a little bit about... Um, poetry and uh, your passion for poetry. You were saying in the pre-interview questions that you see poetry everywhere and that a lot, I think that's very true, like in a lot of different areas, we see the poetics and the, and the functionality of the, the fundamental lessons of poetics and advertising, all these different venues, we see the fundamental truths that poetry represents. So tell us a bit about your vision for poetry and, and, what you, and your relationship with poetry. Uh, my vision for poetry is to see it all over the world uh, being utilized and recognized for the powerful gift that it is through the spoken word form and or written form. Um, I love to see it used in a, a manner to help heal. I love to see it used in a manner to help promote, uh, which it is used in all these manners, but it's not necessarily recognized as the, the tool that it is and how powerful it is to the community. Um, historically um, being used, uh, my relationship with poetry started when, what, when I was uh, young, 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 young. I started uh, writing <clears throat> to improve my handwriting, ironically. And I began writing more and more and more. Then I was like, uh, I discovered this website called, uh, was it Poems and Quotes? Um, when I was in high school and I started putting my uh, poetry online. And at the time I was doing like, you know, like this little rhymey scheme kind of poems, um, but it didn't do well. <clears throat> so I was like, wow, why am I getting bad reviews? Like what makes my poetry get rated so low? Mm. Um, so I started doing a little bit of research on this history of poetry. And I started doing research on the different types of poetry. And then I just began building from there, and then it, it blossomed into uh, who I am today. That's a wonderful. It's a wonderful story. And it's like how, and you also touched in on how the general populace looks at poetry and how, you know, poetry is a, the word poetry sometimes like conjures up different images. But uh, when people see it in songwriting and people see it in, in the various forms in which it takes, then they appreciate it more. It's just a question of, you know, poetry, sometimes the word poetry sometimes triggers in people the idea of obscure or difficult to understand. But actually, uh, it's being used so many ways, as, you, as you're acknowledging. Um, and the history and lineage of poetry is so vast 
and all the different ways in which it's permeated the culture is so vast, both in healing and in uh, and in the way it uh, kind of communicates, its way its methodologies for communication. And you were mentioning, what was the website? You said there was a website that people were rating you on. What was that? Can you clarify that? Uh, Poemsandquotes.com. Oh, poem. it, it was from years ago. I, yeah. I don't know if it's still up or not, but it was years, years, years ago. Yeah. And what were some of the poets that you that you researched, that you learned a little bit from? And who were some of the, what were some of the names or, or poems that really influenced you? Um, <clears throat> let me see. Back then, I, you know, you know what? I, I asked myself a very important question back then, yeah. and it's an important question. I think that everybody has to ask themselves is, ask themselves is, what makes the greats the greats? The greats such as Shakespeare, the greats such as Langston Hughes, the greats such as Maya Angelou, the greats such as Nico Giovanni, and so forth and so forth. Um, you know, in, in the particular writing styles, what made them who they are? Is it the time that they wrote the poem? Is it the type of poem that they wrote? Is it their accolades outside of poetry that made them who they are? Um, <clears throat> you know, um, th these things I began to ask myself and I began to study. And then, you know, you have the poets who who perform live uh, in the slam industry. Uh, you have movies out like, uh, I don't know if you know, a movie by uh, Saul Williams called Slam. Um, I don't know if you've heard uh, Louder Than a Bomb, which is a, a, a poetry slam, um, Death Poetry Jam. I watched all the seasons of that. Um, <clears throat> so this, I, I, I myself categorize poetry into the, the different forms. Uh, specifically, you have the written form, then you have the spoken word form, and then you have the freestyle form or free verse form of uh, poetry. So those are the three categories that I normally categorize the the term poetry in. Yeah. And then uh, you were, you're touching a little bit on um, different kinds of poetry. So now tell us, let me listen a little bit to, so we'll build up towards listening to some of your work, but which you do dabble in each of these forms or do, which, which is your, and what are the principal themes and forms in which you use in your own practice? Um, I, 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 uh, yeah, I, I do all three forms. I write poetry, I perform poetry, and I also freestyle poetry as well. Um, I, I do a lot in the poetry world. Um, I'm like oh, a yeah. word so in, in, in it, in, in a manner. Um, the, as far as themes go, as far as themes go, like things that like obsessions or things that really recur in your work, what would you say are the, the principal ideas that you're interested in? Mine is always, my poetry always has a meaning or a theme to it for, for the most part of like, for instance, uh, healing. It'll have a theme of uh, heartbreak. It'll have a theme of moving forward in life. It'll have a theme of, uh, you know, uh, what is it called? Um, the 13th, I don't know if you know about the 13th Amendment. I talk mm. sometimes about that in my um, poetry. I talk about uh, what it is like the Black experience in my poetry. I talk about... Um, <clears throat> death of my poetry my, my poetry is very uh eclectic if, if you will yeah so i listened to a little bit on your website and people can find your website mrorangelive.com i believe is the website right uh mrorangelive.com um so yeah i listened to a little bit of your work and definitely i experienced a lot of that the themes that you're talking about um you know kind of the pride the the you know kind of the um empowerment you know how you find your truth and you allow it to power you and your communities, which is 
principal theme of the show is like finding truth and finding that empowerment within that within that truth. So um, and you you're kind of speaking, if you will, your truth and the truth of your community. Um, so why don't we listen to a little bit to a, a reading and then we can continue the conversation into uh, some of the various experiences you have. Why don't, we, why don't you select a poem you'd like to share with us? All right. Um, I'll do the one that why they call me orange just to you know get that poem out there. Um, it's called Orange. Um, orange plasmatic flames rise above all else, consuming as is the most beautiful sight above all else, to the dawning of the sun, to the rising of the morning, to the burning of all things burning, orange will rise. Camouflage in the wilderness, life depends on it, to the deepest depths of darkness accompanied by orange and the tiger's true colors appear in orange shows no fear juices flow and some bathe back near the equator's might only in warm weather can an orange tree grow orange seeds i spit seeds instead of spilling seeds that bleed my heart orange and until the orange is recognized i will keep wearing the brightly colored color to the love song sing notes in my favorite color orange to you i dedicate this poem to Orange, I'll admit, I'm just a little bit tiny, obsessed with you. Thank you, thank you. Wonderful, wonderful. And then um, you were talking a little bit about one of the questions you're talking about how um, how does civic uh, uh, I, I, I the threshold, the civic threshold in which change your view of the world, and uh, like you answered about orange, the color, how it changed your view of the world, how your experience with orange as a color and experience of orange changed kind of like you were able to make something of that. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about that in uh, kind of in a way. And the poem kind of introduced us to that theme. But uh, if you could continue the, the, the thought there. Yeah. So when I was in uh, college, uh, <clears throat> maybe about, you know, eight years ago, nine years ago, uh, I would wear orange a lot. And I didn't initially wear it like a lot, like before uh, that moment, I just wore it sporadically, but I happened to just genuinely like the color. So I began wearing it more and more and more and more often. And the name Mr. Orange actually was deemed to me by uh, Eunice Kadu. His name is Eunice Kadu. He's an amazing, amazing poet, uh, a poet here in Rhode Island, province Rhode Island. And uh, his father was a poet. So he has like literally poetry in his blood. He's also an amazing actor as well. A uh, special shout out to him. But he gave me the nickname Mr. Orange because I kept wearing orange. So when I was on my college campus, you know, I used to get weird looks, why is this guy wearing orange all the time? And then it became a thing where once I wrote the poem and then I gave an explanation, I couldn't be seen without orange on. Like they were like, DeMont, where's your orange at? So like I literally had to go out of my way to find something orange, which is, it's somewhat can get expensive time, yes. Uh, and then like the search for finding orange clothes is, is absolutely amazing. Um, but orange eventually, you know, changed my perspective on life because it, it's a bright color, it's a creative color, and it gave me the viewpoint of always being able to see the bright side of a situation um 
or to have that opti uh, optimistic uh, viewpoint and outlook on life. And by wearing that color, other people would see that. They say, hey, why do you wear orange all the time? I tell them, well, for me, this is, you know, my truth. This is my power. This is for me personally to be able to remind myself to see through the hard times and that there is better times ahead. So um, I eventually took that ideology and I created a, my second book, A Touch of Orange. Yeah, and I saw how uh, on your cover, it's subtle how The Touch of Orange how it uses the sunset. You see like various co uh, colors in within the sunset. Even in your background and Zoom, it has a little bit of a sunset. So um, it's a, a very nice... Uh, very nice way of introducing it in, in not just like kind of like some people, some listeners may be thinking of orange as kind of a loud color, but it's like a subtle way of introducing the not in nature, how it occurs and how um, it's a very powerful invocation. Um, so it's very good. It's very good. And then, uh, so now some of our questions are about, um, about truths and such. We started talking a little bit about some essential truths you believe is being undervalued by society. We started talking a little bit about that, how, you know, the poetic element, how uh, when, we're, when we're trying to convince people, even you're mentioning in speeches historically, uh, when we're using rhetoric, even it's like we're trying to get poetic because we want to invoke or in, in conjure in people the, um, the heart, heart language. You know, I think that's kind of what, what I got from your answer is that we want to kind of um, invoke it, pull on their heartstrings, if you will. And uh, and tell me, tell me a little bit more about um how about these truths and how what are the truths you find to be self-evident or the truths you find to be undervalued by society? Um, so one of the issues that, how, how can I put this? Most poets don't get into the poetry game to make money. They don't yeah. do it to get rich. Um, they do it because they love their community. They do it because they want to have a message to spread and they do it for the love of the art form as and of itself. Um, they love that art form to the point where to them, for the most part, money isn't why they do it, but if you're gonna do it for a living, it's a requirement to make money from the art form. And that's where I feel that in most poetry places, it's very difficult to make a living off of doing it as a, uh, you know, like a, some people say that rappers are poets. I'm fine with that um, because rap is one form of poetry. Mm -hmm. So there's many different forms of spoken word more specifically, but for those who do the art form as in not a rapper, not, not to music per se, um, and not in a rhyming scheme, there's other schemes out there. There's other types of poetry out there. Uh, they have it hard where uh, to make a living, they don't, they'll get offered after 20 years of doing this art form, $50 to $100 to feature. And the feature is very simple. They go to a venue, there's an event happening, and they get offered 20 minutes, 30 minutes, or however long they want to be able to perform their poem and entertain that crowd or enlighten the crowd or to share their work uh, professionally using whatever tools and means that they have. And uh, after 20 years of doing this for your community, it's somewhat insulting to say, here's $100 for this, for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you can't make a living off of that. 
a hundred dollars is not going to pay the electric bill that's due next month. Mm. Um, whereas in other art forms, they're respected. They get TV. Like if you go to Netflix, very simple. If you go to Netflix right now, how many spoken word oriented movies are there versus how many use spoken word in their shows? Mm. Um, it's you'll see spoken word everywhere, but it doesn't get the recognition that it deserves. And therefore the spoken word artist struggles so much more than the average artist. Um, co comedians, they get a whole hour show. They'll get hour shows and they'll get off of that $1 million deal, $2 million deal. Um, in most recent times, the most successful poet out there was, I think he won America's Got Talent. Mm, yeah, I heard about that. I heard about that. The spoken word artist won, uh, came very close to winning. Did he, did he win it or did he get like a finalist or something? I'm not I, sure. I, I, think, I think he won. Oh, he won? Oh, amazing, amazing. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah, I heard when he got the finalist, I wasn't sure if he won or not, but that's really great. That's really great to, you know, I think I, I completely agree with you that, you know, we see so many comedy specials and yet we don't see um, enough of spoken word or or poetic specials or, or things that are looking, looking a little deeper into, um, you know, co comedy is kind of a, in this, this kind of stand-up comedy specifically is kind of a superficial in some ways in its treatment of the human experience, whereas spoken word usually tends to go a little deeper into the human experience, tends to dive a little deeper and people, um, you know, people I think are, are thirsty for that. And I think that there's definitely going to be an audience if the, if the, the uh, powers that be, the people in charge of this, understand that you know that people are thirsty for that kind of a, a vulnerability, that kind of a empowerment. You know, the, the people may be thirsty, but until I, I believe that the demand is made a necessity. Yeah, and for the artists as a as a as as a group, as a people, as an artistic people, until we come together and say, okay, these are the standards. Mm. It's going to continue the way that it's going yeah um i feel like in the as as hungry as a community as, as we have uh we, we compete against each other in like let's say slams um which is perfectly fine that is of his, in and of his nature but what we need to do as a community is and and some have done it um is standardize pay mm. required because there, there isn't any standards. Well, if a guy writes poems for five years, he's been performing for five years, how much is that poet worth? Yeah. It depends on how much they offer him. Mm. You know, instead, like if we standardize that particular thing and then we marketed it out there, because poetry is definitely marketable. They've, there's been movies out, there's been TV shows, there's poetry, very successful things, if done correctly then we know that it's and, and in london is huge in in london is huge so it's, it's it's global on top of it um if we as poets can just come together and create that standard i think that it would revolutionize poetry and the way that we see it now thank you thank you so yeah i definitely agree and i think that um you know, it's interesting to think about uh, you know the capitalist model and how we think about you know, always in terms of the supply and demand, always in terms of kind of the um, the ways in which prices are set, and kind of really examining that, really examining what 
is the um, is methodology in which we can create a uh, a system that values that places value on um, you know poetry and poetics and all this kind of stuff and and how uh, this uh, this system can uh, can allow for new pathways for poets to come through. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, also, I understand that your faith has a lot to do with your poetry. Um, tell us a little bit about how uh, your faith comes into play and how um, what systems of thought have influenced you, um, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about that. Um, I uh, First of all, I'm a Christian, number one. Um, uh, in the Bible, there, there's the uh, Psalms. Psalms is a lot of poetry in it. There's a Song of Solomon. Um, there's a lot of parables and stories. So if you just look at the Bible, not necessarily from a religious perspective, but you look at it from a written perspective, you can learn a lot from uh, from the Bible. And I also uh, I also research a, a spoken word group called Passion for Christ Movement. Uh, if you haven't, YouTube that P4CM. Uh, you'll see a lot of very specific uh, spoken word artists. And in fact, a uh, special shout out to Queen G. She's actually opened up for them a couple of years ago when I actually went to Boston to go see them live. They're, they're, they're truly amazing um, experience uh, in, in the Christian world um, where they literally only talk about uh, Christ and um, the Bible and that kind of thing throughout their entire spoken word. Um, and they've toured America doing that. So it's, it's truly amazing. Um, for me personally, I don't necessarily charge to perform at churches as my way to pay homage to God. Uh, I have a performance actually coming up. Um, I want to say on Zoom or online is coming up very, very soon in a couple of days for uh, Christmas, actually. Uh, let me pull up, pull it up for you guys. I can tell you the information. So it's happening on December 24th, 2020 at 7 p.m. It's going to be at riverchurchrhodeisland.org slash events. So that's riverchurchri dot org slash events and i'll be uh doing a feature there on zoom for christmas eve if you guys want to come check that out oh cool thank you um so now also i just want to remind listeners this is ready for brooklyn uh ready for brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization we're trying to promote uh independent artists and and uh and labels and 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 different things the choose the power show uh, airs every Monday at 8 a.m. Um, this is a pre-recorded episode, but it'll probably be airing uh, on a Monday at 8 a.m. We're recording on December 20th. I'm not exactly sure when this episode will air, but hopefully soon. Um, but uh, in case you missed that performance, you can find out more performances on MrOrangeLive.com, uh, and you can find out more about Demon Combs, a.k.a. Mr. Orange Live on that website. Um, so yeah, yeah. So now let's continue the conversation. We have about a half more hour, um, about 59 minutes to go till, uh, right now until, um, 59. So, uh, tell us a little bit more about, uh, 
your experience performing and your community is and such and, and what comes up for you. Uh, how, how long have you been performing and how, how, uh, how is that, how's that experience been performing and how's the, how's the, how's the, uh, the, now the COVID, how's that interrupted or, or, uh, how have you dealt with that? So, uh, my performance, uh, I started poetry here in Providence, Rhode Island when I came to college, uh, and I developed my poetry at two spots. It's called Blue State which was uh, Got Poetry Live. Special shout out to the hosts, Rick McIntyre. Um, you know, uh, I believe at one point, it was, it was a community, really. It was a revolving host, uh, Tony Brown, uh, a revolving host of uh, hosts that really kept that event going. Um, and then also Cafe Soul, special shout out to Contessa Brown and um, Mama Brown. Uh, those two places really shaped me as my performance is concerned. And then I grew from there on my own and I went on to perform all over the place. I've performed again in New York City. I've performed in uh, Texas. I've performed in Mass. I've performed in Atlanta. I've performed uh, really a, a lot of places in America. Um, and I started actually my own open mic called Tell Your Truth. Uh, I felt uh, it, it was a difficult ex experience when I first started Tell Your Truth, mostly because it was, you know, taking all these great hosting experiences and believing in myself and saying, okay, I'm going to give back to the community. Um, so at the time I was hosting Live Literati and it was like, do I really want to take on an extra open mic? Mm -hmm. uh, to give back to the community. And I definitely, what I wanted was I wanted that place where anyone could go and perform their work for free. I didn't want them to have to come out of pocket because that's what was done to me. Um, and I also wanted to be able to pay my features. That was very important as well. So I do a sliding hat scale uh, for it. And I started the open mic and I did one and I was like, all right, I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. But the community was like, no, you have to keep this going. So I did it for a whole year. And then uh, I went for a grant and I got the grant. Um, and then I continued doing it, trying to, uh, do it. And then COVID hit, mm. uh, COVID uh, stopped the whole process right there in this halt because, you know, I, I know a lot of businesses are suffering right now because they, they can't get the clients that they need. Um, thankfully for me, before um, COVID got really, really uh, bad, what I started doing was I started switching to online. And I ran the open mics online before it became big to run open mics online. So before they did it on Instagram, like soon as COVID hit, I switched online and I started doing online until the need wasn't until it wasn't needed anymore. Once, once that wasn't needed anymore, I switched and I went, I got another grant from the city of Providence to uh, teach one lucky person uh, that signed up for the class. And then I'm going to host and have them feature at tell your truth. Um, and that's going to be next year, early next year. To, and it's going to be online uh, again due to COVID. Um, COVID has stopped all of my travels, which is, again, how I was making money. I've featured in, again, Texas and New York uh, at film festivals, and I've been able to travel, thank God, but it did stop. Like, uh, I didn't get a grant because they wasn't giving out grants for um, live events during COVID at the time. 
So that was just one income that was lost. Uh, I didn't get a chance to go to Texas to do my normal features. Um, that was lost because of COVID. So yeah, COVID is, is, is definitely a unique experience, but what it did do is it opened my world. It opened the, the world, the world's eyes. Like when you're at an event, you're live, you're in person, you can only really connect with those there. But when you're online, you can connect with the whole world. So it really does expand your, your viewpoints. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's really good to think about like, and reflect on for the listeners to reflect on how, you know, um, the impact this has had and, and definitely is important to take steps to um, kind of support our communities as well, support our, our, our artists who may be struggling. Um, and oh, we're all kind of uh, are in disarray, but, you know, as things start to level down, we realize the arts are really giving us so much in this during the quarantine time. The arts have given us so much to to enrich our lives um, while we're staying at home, you know, we, we're consuming uh, all these different media and, and remembering ourselves to also consume and support artists, independent artists um, is important. So um, also when you say, when you talk about uh, one of the questions we have uh, in the pre-interview questions was about when you teach or share your principal discipline with others, what do you hope the listener will receive from you? You touched a little bit on this, but I want to expand on that a little bit more. Um, so what you hope people will gain from you when they listen to your principal discipline, um, when you teach or, or when you're connecting with the community in this way, yeah. Um, so where I predominantly teach at is, uh, I've taught for three years as a poet in residence with the uh, Langston Hughes Community Poetry Reading, which happens, uh, I think is going on, what is 26th year this year? Um, here in Rhode Island, where we pay homage to Langston Hughes and we perform Langston's work and we begin to uh, study it and we go through the school system. What I've been brought in to do is go through the school systems uh, that want to sign up for this experience. And I go and I teach some of the students that are uh, involved, that want to be involved. And I've been so blessed to have taught so many uh, students Langston's work and help them explore their own work as well. And it's been, you know, a, a really life-changing changing experience to be able to see uh, that Langston's work is timeless um, and that his work defines errors. Like, it's still relevant. The things that he talked about then is still relevant today. And it does shape my work and that I wanted my work to also be timeless in that, uh, in that manner as well. Um, so I've taught at the Links to Use uh, Community Poetry Reading, and I'm currently, uh, very, very recently, I got picked up to teach at Poetry Out Loud, um, which is a national event. And um, I'll be teaching students here again in Rhode Island um, and preparing them to compete. It's a competition where students go and they compete, high school students go and then they compete. Uh, against each other in the nationals and it happens all over the US and then those compete until one winner is uh, announced. It's like SLAM, but it's not uh, based on the same principles as SLAM. Uh, where it differs at is that you're using other people's work from history. So first of all, you have to learn the history of poetry. You have to learn and understand the works. You have to memorize the works, at least three poems, and then recite those poems. Uh, competing against others to do the same. 
um, to get to your viewpoint, um, I, when I teach, my I, I really, really want um, my students to understand and find themselves through their work, to be able to express themselves and to be able to expand who they are and be, give them the ability to talk about what they want to talk about. Um, and, and that's important to me. Um, a lot of times what will happen is you'll get a student that's shy. Um, and then, you know, I don't know if you know, but the number one fear is uh, public speaking. So I work with that student to let them overcome that shyness. And we do it through practice. We, through, we do it through, you know, reminding them that what they have to say is important and that if they don't say it, it's not going to get shared. Um, so really students discovering who they are as a person and then it resonates throughout their entire life. They gain confidence in themselves. Um, they begin to be able to express themselves and be able to tell their own story. So it's definitely, definitely a, a form of healing if they've been through trauma. Um, and then as they continue on, they can see that, oh, this can become a lifestyle. Like my, my goal in the end is not just to teach, but it's to make it, a, to give them the opportunity to make money from it and make a living from it and be happy doing it if they so choose, or to be able to take those same skills and apply it to whatever else they're going through in life. Yeah, totally, totally. And it's really great that you emphasize uh, poetry and, and, and uh, poetics as healing. That's been a the theme of the show, talking about how we can cope, how we can deal. It's a personal interest of mine as someone who's uh, interested in investigating mental health counseling as a degree program and as a uh, profession to look into how we can kind of adapt expressive arts. I've done some programs with Queens Library um, with expressive arts and how um, the arts can be a pathway or modality for at the very least um, at a bare minimum to process and to understand our experience like a way into our communal experiences and our personal experiences and, and see our personal experiences being part of or uh, connected to the communal experience. So that kind of is very important for me. And I think uh, people will find a lot of episodes devoted to that. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out before we continue the conversation. Uh, you know, this is uh, Ready for Brooklyn. Uh, part of our sponsorship is uh, from... Uh, city running tours. If you live in New York City and run for either fun or exercise, here's a way to learn something about the neighborhoods you're working in your workout in. City Running Tours is now offering neighborhood running tours designed with locals in mind. New York City takes pride in diversity and character of its neighborhoods and these unique running tours offer an opportunity to learn history of the neighborhood and your personal recommendations for your guide. Choose some tours of 23 neighborhoods, including the East Village, Upper West Side, Bushwick, Long Island City, and Roosevelt Island. Information about these running tours, uh, go to uh, cityrunningtours.com slash New York City. Um, and then let's see what else. And then if you're listening to this show over your computer, please be sure to download the apps on uh, uh, on your respective app stores, so iPhone or Android. Um, so yeah, yeah, so it's good. And then uh, that's, the, that's the announcements I had to make. Uh, it's, um, 35 minutes in. So, uh, yeah, so let's continue the conversation about, you're talking about healing and, and modalities and, um, 
uh, you know, kind of the truths that you find in your own work. Why don't we listen to another one of your works? Uh, we listen to another one of the poems, and then you can kind of share a little bit of the context for that at the end of it. So I listen to another poem. Okay, okay. Um, this poem is called. Poem is called. I want to make sure I pronounce it correctly. Dayson Mascarado, Dayson Mascarado, e Pramos. Means, um, you have to look that up. Uh, we are feeling ourselves like masks, as if we were at a masquerade. But when the party ends, we return to our ugly reflections. But it doesn't matter because I want to make love to your mind the same way a grenade consumes everything around it. It takes life and everything with it. They? They will hire your screams and command it to be their voices and melt away into fantasy, making wishes like Disney, wishing they have what you have. But what you have is Juliet poison that can do it to our eternal love. What they have is a nevermore midnight dreary where the raven tortures their war and pluck jealousy out from his beak. But what they don't know is the misery that follows us. After we made a mess of our nature, hidden our morals in full view, shame proclaims itself mighty. But this too shall pass. We lie there attached to the bed of problems, same book, different page breaking silence but at least we have each other we spit acid we recall memories if we were old she was a snake we hold on like the past we never we never let go of or the feelings we can't forgive ourselves for we hold on because we know love will walk out that door as soon as we let go we don't believe in things that might return we see all the signs life puts up reminding us what we are missing, but we don't care. We are just lost in each other's feelings, dancing to eat each other's melodies until the masks fall off, until the parade ends, until they refer to us by two personifications, but one name, heartbreak. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it's uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. So let's see. Um, so now also, let's talk a little bit about how the person's political. One of the questions is about what does the person's political mean to you? Um, you know, we talked a little bit about empowerment, kind of the black experience has this theme in your work. If we can go a little bit into that and how your communities, you know, um, your experience really is, is part and parcel with the, not only your community, but also the human experience. So we think about that and reflecting on that and reflecting on how um, these kinds of different, you know, people like to divide uh, communities up. People like to, you know, uh, kind of say, oh, this is about this, this is about that. But how do, how do, you, how do you kind of, um, how is your experience kind of speaking to the larger picture? And we talk about under the umbrella term, the personal is political. What does that mean to you? Um, truth to power, I love that terminology because it gives us the ability to first admit that, you know, we have to be able to know our own truths, yeah. um, and then face those truths and face the darkest parts of ourselves and then take that truth 
and then turn it into something useful within our lives and then make that into um, something powerful and then spread and it grows. Um, for instance, in the, in the church community, they have what is called a testimony. That's normally what I would uh, relate to when I say truth to power. They take their testimony and inspire others to create change. Um, and more specifically, what I learned uh, early on was the power of words. And uh, a lot of people don't know the power that they have using and saying words like that's very very powerful and it has an effect um and i learned the hard way you know this this specific lesson um when i was uh performing and i was young in, in my days i took this poem and i wrote a really angry poem um from my first book is called my poem my riddle and uh i went and i asked somebody from the orleans hey do you do you want to come and uh be my volunteer for this poem. And I performed this really, really angry poem. And when I was done, they couldn't get up. Uh, another poet had to come and perform a happy poem for them to be able to move. And, and then I got banned for a couple of weeks from the venue for, for doing that. And I had learned that there was this unspoken rule um, in poetry where you don't hurt the people that you're supposed to, that come to support you in, in that kind of manner. Um, but what I really learned and what I took from it is the power of my words. I didn't know that my words had that kind of power. I didn't know that um, words could affect you in that manner. So in the, in the same way that you, you may say something negative to someone um, and it can really hurt them and it can physically affect them um, and it can mentally scar them and emotionally scar them as well. In the same way you can say something positive to someone and it could do the exact opposite. It could uplift them and it can make them um, change their whole life around. So so learning that, learning that truth about myself and then spreading that truth is, is really what truth to power uh, means to me. And to be able to tell my story with power and conviction and spread it and uplift the community, that's, 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 what I, that's why I do what I do. Thank you, thank you. That was really good. Very powerful and very like uh, heartfelt. I really appreciated how uh, we were talking a little bit about how uh, failures and successes, and you touched a little bit on uh, an example of that here, how you know something that can be perceived as a failure, perceived as something that went wrong or not according to the way in which you had planned it, then to transform into something as a lesson or a learning point. And you gave another example in your, in your pre-interview questions about how you switched or turned around an instance in which something with uh, was kind of negative or perceived as negative and a no, if you will. And then uh, tell us that story and then we can um, go from there. Thank you. Okay. Um, so that, that story is after I, um, I decided to publish my first book, maybe in what, 2014, 2015. And I had my, uh, my poem, my riddle, which is a collection of the poems from the website um, and stuff that I've written when I was a teenager. Um, Again, and that those poems were uh, about love, and uh, some of them were dark, and some of them were happy. Um, and I find that older people love that kind of poems. But uh, what I ended up doing was I ended up getting this. I became an author. I decided to publish my work. And you know, you you have these books, and I did. Uh, I went through prismatic dreams, and they're they a blessing. 
but I wanted to not give up my own rights. See, a lot of times you'll give up um, certain rights to your own work when you're, you become an author, uh, depending on who you publish with and um, depending on how you publish and who you publish with and what publishing company you use and that sort of stuff. But uh, I basically wanted to self-publish but keep all the, the rights to my work and the money to, um, that I made from it. So that means that I had to do all of the, the groundwork of putting it in the bookstores and stuff like that. So I went out, uh, I got my book, I went to the bookstores in the local neighborhood and I was like, hey, can I put my book in your store? And they were like, no, you can't, I don't know you. Um, and I went to another bookstore and he was like, if you go to this bookstore, go over here and try them. So I went to that bookstore and they told me no. I went to every bookstore in the local neighborhood and they was like, oh no. Um, and I was really discouraged and I was like, wow, this is, is this like really gonna be how it is as a start? So I went back without giving up. And I was like, hey, listen, you know, I'm just starting out. I need an opportunity the same way someone gave you an opportunity. And he was like, you know what? All right, fine. You could put your book in a bookstore. I said, I'll come get it if, if it don't sell. Like I'll, I'll bring somebody here to buy the book. I don't care. So he, what I did whatever I had to do to get my book in that bookstore. So he put my book in the bookstore. And I went back to the, all the bookstores that told me no. And I said, hey, my book is in that bookstore now. Are, are you, are you going to not have my book in your store now? Like, and he was like, you know what? Yeah. And then now I have my book in bookstores that, you know, didn't have books in the mm. bookstore. Um, so I turned all my no's to yeses. And that just showed me the ability to persevere and the ability when people tell you no, that doesn't mean the door is closed. It just it could mean that it's not your time um, or you don't have the right leverage or you don't know how to come across or you may not have the right information. Um, but no isn't permanent because all you need is one yes. Like one no doesn't stop your dream. All you that, that's it doesn't, um, and I learned that out, and I, and I found that out, and that was very very important to my walk going forward um, as a full time uh, poet. Um, you know, I, I realized then that I would receive a lot of no's. I would I, I was told you know at one point um, maybe I shouldn't write plays, um, and I wrote a whole play. I've been writing plays, uh, a play, and. Um, I don't want to produce the play as a play anymore. I want to produce the play as a book and then have it transition to um, a play later on or a script for whatever have you. Um, so I'm working on that for uh, 2020, I mean, 2021. Um, right now I'm working on uh, my third book of poetry and um, I'm looking for a great publishing company to um, undertake where they can take some of that responsibility from me and um, I can focus on my other artwork and my other art forms that I, that I work on, like uh, the teaching artist thing that I do. Um, I'm on the board for the CF Pawtucket, um, for the art. So I have a lot of community things going on where I don't have as much time as I used to have uh, to dedicate. So I have to be very specific about how I manage my time now and who I bring on, whereas uh, prior to this, it was people, you know, I had to ask for opportunities. Now the opportunities come to me, but I had to get through, I had to get through all the no's to get to this point. So some of you out there, you may have to endure a lot of no's, but if you persevere and you're consistent and you're persistent, 
um, you'll eventually turn those no's to yes. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much. And it's definitely a major lesson for, I think, our listeners to take with them that, you know, they can persevere, that their dreams are really separate from the external circumstances and the external, um, you know, kind of um, environment. It's really just your dream and you really your kind of the world is really a manifestation of that dream or manifestation of the things that you see out there in the world are really manifestations of, of your internal climate. And when you hear a no, it means you're just not ready. Uh, you're not you reached the stage where you're really ripened for that, uh, for that experience that you're looking for. And that then, you know, if you kind of go back into the inner work that you'll find, or if you come back into a little bit of the inner work, you'll find that those, those avenues will open up and you continue to persevere. Those avenues will open up as needed. So that's really great. Um, so now as you start to wind down, uh, we have a few more minutes left. Um, also, I would tell you a little bit about, t- tell me a little bit more about like the, the influences and such. Just continue, can you keep up that conversation about the influences in, in any um, avenue you want to pull up from? We talked a little bit about your influences from the different uh, writers. We talked a little bit about influences from um, the, the Christian tradition and how Christianity has helped you, uh, all this kind of stuff. So any, any of those different aspects, whether different Christian writers, if you want to talk a little bit about how they've kind of impacted your faith, your understanding of the faith? Um, one, uh, one of my uh, influences is, um, I like to categorize things uh, in different details. Um, so a lot of the local, I, I'm a big fan of local art artists because I grew up in the open mic scene. So I'm, I'm a fan of, of veterans who are local, mostly local here in Rhode Island, and then expand outward um, of New York City as well. I'm from New York, if y'all don't know. Yeah. Um, um, here in Providence, it's, you know, uh, there's a group called, at the time it was called Spin Images. Then they grew to become Brothers Keeper. Um, special shout out to Brothers Keeper, which is composed of uh, Art Collins, Eunice Cadu, Lawrence News, and Marlon Carey. And then Marlon went off and he had um, a group called, uh, and Christopher Johnson, he went out and then uh, had a group called uh, Shakespeare to Hip Hop, which teaches um, kids hip hop and poetry uh, through Shakespeare. Uh, reciting Shakespeare's work in a way, and that's through Reggie Gibson, who uh, I'm like, he's like my biggest uh, mentor. I, I appreciate him, uh, inspiration. And then um, Marlon Carey. Uh, then you have, you know, Rudy, Cab- Rudy Cabrera, or rather, Rudy Audacious, I should say. Um, then you have Christopher Johnson. Then you have Marlene Luna. Then you have Queen G. Like a lot of, of, of local artists in the music world. Um, I, I do write poetry. I, and next year, I have um, uh, a couple of songs coming out uh, with uh, Michelle Maybell. Y'all keep a uh, lookout on that. Um, and uh, my other inspirations um, in in New York, uh, Rudy French, uh, Rudy Francisco is a great inspiration. Uh, B Young, I don't know if y'all know B Young, Alexis Marie, Zora Howard, um, Elisa Harris, uh, basically Strivers Row, which is based out of New York City. Um, that I watch their channel a lot on YouTube. Special shout out to them. 
Um, again, I love Saul Williams' work. Saul Williams to me is is, is truly amazing. Um, Langston Hughes, if you want to talk about the greats, definitely Langston Hughes. Um, someone now I, I love. Uh, if you haven't gotten a chance, it's called. Uh, I have I have I have a book, Franny Chow. Franny Chow is a poet who was here in Rhode Island, and she's an author. You should just like legit look her up. She's amazing. Her her written work is 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 to me mind blowing. Um, it's just like le- le- legit. Like, how do you write this? Uh, she keeps me inspired. Um, so those are some of my local inspirations, and what I suggest you guys go do is get to know your local your, your local artists and support your local artists out there, and get to know who's the movers and shakers in your own city and expand outward. Thank that, you. That would be That's really great. That's really great. And um, I probably uh, if I can get um, an out song from you, we'll probably put an out song in as we start to close up because we have fifty two minutes and we can play a final song. So if you have any particular suggestions, I can put that in the recording uh, in the last five minutes. Uh, and you tell us a little bit about Musical.ly. You mentioned that you are also doing a, a music track. So um, if you have a particular track you want me to play, I can play that in the last few minutes. Okay. Um, let me find the track for you. I have to send it to you. Yeah, send it to me. Yeah, send it to me and then I'll, I'll put it on. But uh, let me know if you have any comments about the track. You can put that on the recording and then just your comments on the track and you send me the recording later. Yeah. I'll send, I'll send it later. Yeah. So tell send any comments on the track, any pre preemptive uh, for the listeners to think about. Yeah. Yeah. That. Okay. So the track I'm going to guys, I'm going to send you is by mobile Mike studio, special shout out, which uh, Michelle and we, me and Michelle sat down and we discussed this concept of uh, a lot of people have been through um, heartbreak and this is about uh, the songs about, moving on and not just moving on in the sense of, you know, like, okay, a lot of females, uh, when they break up with their guy, they go and they go work out and they go get their body fit and like, oh, you gonna want me back. This is that kind of, this is that kind of song. Um, I'm the guy that, you know, regrets ever making that mistake and not valuing. So guys, value the ladies in your life, including your mom, your sister. Um, and, you know, women feel empowered uh, to leave that negative situation and don't feel like you have to stay because you've been with this person forever. Like it's not, it's not worth it. Um, but yeah, that's what the song's about. I'm going to send that to y'all later. Y'all go ahead and check that out. Um, and it's going to be dope. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. So finally, we'll just remind people, this is Radio for Brooklyn, Truth to Power show. We are every Monday at 8 a.m. Uh, we recorded this on December 20th, but, uh, not sure exactly when this can be, reco- uh, can be airing but hopefully soon. Um, also, we'll tell people to follow you, where to follow you, uh, MrOrangeLive.com, MrOrangeLive.com. Uh, anything else, any other pl- platforms they can follow you on or find out more information? Of course. You guys can follow my Tell Your Truth page at Facebook.com slash Tell Your Truth R-I. You can follow my Instagram at Instagram.com slash MrOrangeLive. I have a Twitter, Twitter.com slash MrOrangeLive. Um, if you guys want to support me, you can cash at me, Mr. Orange Live. Um, I appreciate if you guys, you know, come and like my page and share my work. Uh, support your local artists. You can also support me. I have books for sale. 
Um, you can find that either on Amazon or if you go to my website, you can purchase my books. If you guys definitely want to support me, share with a friend, tell them about me, tell them to like my page and we can, you know, all grow together as a community. Um, I like to thank you, VJ, for, uh, allowing me to be on this show. This is an amazing experience and I really appreciate what you do. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad. I hope people will, will definitely follow up with you. Thank you. All right. Take care. Take care. Time passes. Time passes. Somehow time passed us. Started out as exploding stars, expanding galaxies, trailblazing into the sunset. Now nights wept. When you left, I'm drowning in loneliness. The silence between us fills the space. Time passes, hard not to pass this. Hidden to the masses, incognito with no glasses. Giving love, you was absent. Well, I'ma say no. Spring.